Hello and welcome back to Creative Lives. This is the podcast brought to you by Lecture in Progress, where we get to know inspiring creatives, how they got to where they are today, and their wisdom for those just starting out. You might have noticed that we took a little break, so apologies for the radio silence, but we're back and we have some amazing guests lined up for you. This week, we meet Yinka Ilori, an artist and designer whose work spans a huge range of disciplines, from furniture and exhibition design to architecture. My name is Yinka Ilori. I'm an artist based in London, and I love telling stories through furniture. Yinka started his career upcycling chairs and tables to create one-off pieces, but now you're just as likely to find him creating idents for ITV or giant immersive installations. When I was at university, I had a project that was called Our Chair, we had to, you know, like find two old objects, mainly, well, chairs, and redesign them into something new, but give it a new narrative. And since then, I've always fell in, I fell in love with, with, with recycling and sustainability. And then that gave me my career because people saw how important it is to kind of recycle objects, especially furniture, and the beauty of doing this. What brings all of his work together is an instantly recognisable sense of play, colour and pattern, in part inspired by his Nigerian heritage. I've been to Nigeria like 20 times, just so like obsessed with how they use colour, how they wear colour, but also like the architecture, the minicabs, the market food stalls. It was such a vibrant place to go. Two thousand and nineteen has been a huge year for Yinka. In February, he won an L Decoration British Design Award, while in June he was commissioned to create the exhibition design for Somerset House's Get Up, Stand Up Now, a show that celebrated the past fifty years of Black creativity in Britain. It's been an incredible year for me, yeah, because I did things I didn't know I could do, you know, and and did projects that I didn't think I would win because I'm such a small practice designing an exhibition design for Somerset House. A dream project. Another significant milestone came in July when Yinka launched his first public design commission, Happy Street, commissioned by the London Festival of Architecture. So much stuff that I thought, bloody hell, how am I going to do this? But I managed to do it with with, with the support of Red Dev Architects, who were such an amazing team to work with, who were so supportive on the project. Also this summer, Yinka created the pavilion for Dulwich Art Gallery in London, a 10-metre-high cube adorned with a bold geometric pattern, introducing his work to a whole new audience. It's honestly opened like, so many doors for me, from like architects now I want to work with me, which is amazing, because I've always loved architecture, but I didn't know how to kind of get into it. But now I can work with architects. Despite all of this incredible success, Yinka still has moments where he gets creative block and running a small studio of just three people brings its own challenges. So we're a very small studio. There's like three of us in the studio. Um, I have two, I have a part one architectural assistant and a part two, um, and there's myself because the projects we're doing now are becoming bigger and bigger, and I need architects to help me do some technical drawings or some renders or some research and that kind of thing. I'm spending a lot of time in front of my computer at the moment, which is good, but also uh, can be quite exhausting. And also, like, sometimes I do have, like, designers block where I'm just sort of sitting down and I can't think of anything, I'm just, like, blocked. And it's like, I, I, go, I like to go for a walk and then come back to the studio refreshed and then start and then go again. But, yeah, I spend a lot of time sitting down in the studio, using quite a lot of Pinterest to create mood boards, um, a lot of writing. It's good, but I think I don't recommend you sort of sitting down whole eight hours on a computer. I don't think it's good for your brain. 
And what's nice in my studio, it's, it's a very colourful studio. It's like a kind of, it's like a kind of gallery because I have all the chairs around my studio that I've designed over like 10 years. So it's nice kind of walking to my studio. If I ever have a kind of dull moment, I can come to my studio, feel happy, feel energised and ready to go. When I'm in there, I'm a different person. When I leave, I'm a different person. So that's nice, kind of be immersed in a space, shut the door, lock the, lock the door and just create work that you're happy and, and you want to create. So just like going to the gym, you want to, Type, you know, sort of bust a sweat, you know, and yeah, zone out. And that's what my studio is for me. It's my time to create work. Growing up on a North London estate, it took Yinka years of hard work before he began to get paid properly, as he supplemented his income with additional jobs in retail. So I grew up in uh, North London, uh, an estate called, called uh, Marcus Estate. I loved living there um, because... London is bonkers. It can be bonkers, you know. And I think if you're not from London, you come for the first time. It's quite a scary place. It can be, you know. And I grew up in the environment. It was very multicultural. Um, and that for me was amazing because I understood how to respect cultures. I grew up learning to respect people who were, who were older than me. And I also learned about learned about ambition as well. Like how to be ambitious because, you know, like everyone was, everyone was hustling. Whether they were a drug dealer or they were a mechanic. They worked in, you know, in a school or there was studying to be a lawyer or studying or doing A-levels. Everyone was hustling. So you learn about how to be ambitious, how to be ambitious. My mum was a hustler, yeah. She she had a catering company. She would sell like Nigerian food to like weddings and different like church events. And then sometimes she would plait people's hair as well. And then she would also sell Nigerian, you know, like like fabrics like lace and Swiss for lace and like Dutch rights print. So she was very, she was a hustler, yeah. She wanted to sort of do everything. And I think that's where I've got that from as well. I think the fact I want to do furniture, architecture, graphic design. I wanted everything. I wanted it all. I'm greedy. And I knew, okay, I saw this person go down this way for doing something that was wrong. I don't want to do that. You know, and you saw your friends doing that and you're like, oh, you know what, his mum's upset about that. His mum's actually crying and she's going to visit him in jail and all this. And you're thinking, my parents left Nigeria, came here 40 years ago. I don't want to put them through that. You know, so I had access to so many different things and, and I could I could have gone down as, down as roots, but I was like, it's not for me. I knew that I had expensive tastes and I wanted to be someone and I wanted to have a nice car, a nice house and wear nice clothes. So I knew, okay, I could go down the fast route, which which I'll probably end up in jail, or I can go down the proper way, which is not proper now, but go to uni and get a degree and, and be someone and do it the kind of the legit way. And that's what I chose to do. It was tough living in that estate because it was, there was always something happening, lots of crime, but it made me like who I am today. And then also my parents made me like understand like who I am and my culture and understood that, you know, hard work will get you somewhere. And I think as a kid, when someone's telling you like hard work's going to get you somewhere, like, but all those kind of things. I remember as a kid, you have to sort of pro, you know, sort of digest and okay, mum's saying, that's saying go to school, blah, blah, blah. And then you listen to them and then it, they're right. It works, you know, like, okay, they're right. I studied product design and furniture, but I always say to everyone, I feel like, I wouldn't have studied that degree. I wish I'd gone to somewhere like a kind of apprenticeship, maybe somewhere in a sort of furniture making school or did a part-time short course in like furniture making for a year, two years. I don't believe you have to go to university to be an artist or designer. I always loved colour during my degree and I always struggled during my degree about sort of learning how to sort of bring in my culture into my work. And also I didn't feel we were kind of encouraged to look at other sources of inspiration because we were very much spoon fed with like Western design, like or like iconic designers who were like design gods, which is great. But there is so much 
design around the world in villages in Nigeria, in villages around Africa, in Asia. And it's just they don't have the kind of the spotlights on them and they're not in a book that is credible to some people. So that was hard, yeah. And also, like, you know, if you've got two cultures, that you've got British and Nigerian culture, you want to celebrate both of those cultures because I'm outside British, at home I'm Nigerian, or British and Nigerian because my parents spoke to me in Yoruba. So I want to bring those experiences out into my work because I want my design to speak to you, you know? I think when I finished uni, I just kind of put that to bed. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm free now. I interned for a guy for Lee Broom. He's a, um, a designer. He's got, he's got a studio in, um, in Riverton Street, Lee Broom. He was the first guy to give me my first internship and I loved, like, loved his work and I was like, loved, it, loved it then. For me, I think it was one, well, one of the first people I felt like he was between sort of art and design and that made sense. So I think I was going, it didn't happen that quickly where I was like, forget this, I'm going to do what I want to do. 2015 was the, the time where I felt I was going to kind of stop designing. I was frustrated with the kind of design industry um, and desired to tired with like seeing the kind of same people sort of do win the same commissions and, and design the same thing every year. And people was always championing this kind of same design, but wasn't saying much. It was very safe and like just repetitive. So 2015, I designed a collection called If Chess Could Talk. And it was talking about people that I grew up with in my school in North London, like real people that went to my school. I knew them for, I mean, what, six years to my A-levels and watched their journey from, you know, uh, child kidhood to into adulthood. And we went on that journey together. So that collection was, was for me, was very raw, very kind of unapologetic. And I was like, I'm done now. Like, this is who I am. And I did that. You know, I did the PR kind of on my own and sort of created it on my own. And it was at the shop at Bluebird in Chelsea on Kings Road. And that was what opened lots of doors for me, that project, because it got picked up by Design Milk. And then everyone else picked it up. And we're like, wow, this is amazing. And since then, like, I haven't looked back since, yeah, it's been incredible. So that chair, that collection was when I was like, fuck this, I'm just going to do me now. And it's been the best thing ever. Between 2009 and 2015, I was working in retail. So I remember vividly, like, working in Mark Spencer's, there's Morgate actually, Morgate, and working in the women's bus section and always having to kind of have my phone in my pocket, which is, sorry, Menace, but yeah, I, I had my phone in my pocket <laughs> and being on the tills and watching the camera above me and like emailing clients about like projects and commissions and pretending to have a studio, which I never had a studio. So I feel like people, people always kind of, when you make it, I haven't made it, but when you kind of get to a point where, you, where you're comfortable and happy and you feel like you've achieved something, people forget that kind of that journey and that, 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 the moments where you weren't, I didn't just get here. Like I, I worked in retail for such a long time and there's no, nothing wrong with saying you work in retail because you're, you're, you're trying to get to a destination. So I'm always proud to say to people that I worked in retail, I worked in MS, I worked in Jigsaw. And, you know, MS, again, like were incredible because they knew I was, I loved designing and, you know, they would help students kind of give, give them time off. And so they were great. But Jigsaw, I don't care, I'm going to say this, they were awful. <laughs> The store I worked in was awful because I remember I had a job offer in Miami for um, with design in Daba. And this was actually like five years ago, actually. I said to my manager, oh, you know, I've got a job offer in Miami. It's with Airbnb. Do you mind if I just go and come back? And then she said, no, you now have to choose now. And I was like, oh, God. So I was like, fine. Well, I'll go to Miami, you know. I resigned. That was it. And that has been the best thing ever. That, that decision there, that, that kind of automating from where I was like, 
great. I went to yeah, Miami and then that was when I went full time, which was so scary. But since then, it's just been good. Because I honestly think I would still be working in retail now. That, that is the truth. Because you never know when, you're, when it's time to go or take that plunge because you're always scared about paying your rent or eating or surviving. You're an adult. Oh, I'm getting old now. All these important things. And you're thinking, okay, I just can't do it. But I think that risk there was what I needed to, to take that jump, yeah. I think it's, it's about knowing when you're ready. I feel like you never know when you're ready. It's like when you want to have kids, you know, oh, you never know. When, you never know when you, you want to... There's no rule. Like, it's just when you feel it, you, you just know, right? You know, like, okay... This is what I want to do now. I've got this amount of money in my account now. I can do it for about a year. Then I'll go, maybe if it doesn't work out, go back into retail. But you've got to take the risk. If you don't take the risk, you will never know if it's for you or you just got to try it, you know? Now I've, I've bigger commissions and I'm like sort of 10 years in the industry, but not 10 years being paid properly. So I've been, in all honesty, I've been going for 10 years working in retail and having this kind of, this passion of mine that I for hopefully one day before I can live off it. Um, and then the last four years, I've been slowly sort of paying myself back and sort of reaping my rewards. And, it, it, you know, it can be a, a, a tough journey. And I feel like if you're not sort of strong-willed and, and, and ambitious, you can kind of fall off or, or sort of believe that, you know, I can't do this or achieve this. Because with things like social media now, you see everyone sort of being successful and, and seeing everyone's successes and you're thinking, oh God, like he's got this or they've got this. I'm, I'm not getting this. I'm still working in retail. How do I get my big break? And there is no, like, manual or Bible. You just have to just keep going. Lastly, Yinka reflects on his experiences of success and gives his advice to others who are earlier on in their journey. So my personal advice for anyone sort of starting out, whether it's in fashion or design or whatever kind of creative medium it is, I think it's, it would be to always be honest to yourself, be true, because... You might present, have an idea in your head and the people might think it's crazy and bonkers. It's not going to work or like, this is like, what's your on about? And no one's going to well, get it. But it's okay because you might be ahead of the game. And I, I felt like when I was starting out, people didn't understand what I was in my work was and what storytelling, why does he love chairs? And now everyone understands it now. So I always believe that if you believe in something, you feel like this is going to change the game or, or change the way people think or design, then stick with it and keep. Find some way of funding it, but stick with it. My success is down to being honest and being real and not fucking anyone over that's really important because those relationships are really important to you like you feel like someone you met 10, 10 years ago won't be useful for you or you've messed them around you will meet them in like later on in your career like it, it happens it's so small the circle design fashion architecture it's a small industry and everyone knows everyone and then also hard work not thinking it's going to be something that you will make overnight you have to put the hours in the work in and you know, I sacrifice not, you know, when my friends are buying cars and stuff and, and I was like, I want a car like to go out and stuff. But I didn't buy I was like, do you know what? I want to, this is, I want to do my design thing, my, have my studio. And at the time, my friends didn't understand what I was doing. Obviously, well, I was always just design, design, design. What's you on about this design thing? But now they're like, I get it now. Like, like you were on time, you know, when, you were, when we were kids. So they come to the pavilion, they've seen, uh, you know, exhibitions of the house and the bridge. And they're like, okay, we get it now. So I've always been focused. I think just having that focus and just being honest and real and respecting people, those are for me are the key things, yeah. Anyone starting out, I think, yeah, it's been a huge part of my kind of success, people would say. But, but yeah, those, those things. Creative Lives is brought to you by Lecture in Progress, a platform helping emerging talent grow fulfilling creative careers. 
I'm Indy Davis, and our guest this week was Yinka Alori. Our editor is Ivor Manley, with production support from Laura Snowd. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of our brand partners. They include GF Smith, Google, Sky Creative Agency, Colophon Foundry, GifGaf, and the Paul Smith Foundation. Find out more at lectureinprogress.com. And we also love hearing from you, so do get in touch or leave us a rating. See you next week. <laughs>